Hi, so welcome back to The Active Listener. My name is Mark Julian, and this is a place where we listen, not just hear. Particularly excited today because I've got a friend of mine named of Maria. Welcome, Maria. Hi, Mark. Nice Hi. to uh, uh, speaking to you today. Good to speak to you too. So before we uh, move on and talk about your subject, which I understand is going to be about failure, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. So Mark, so I'm um, currently the Head of Health, Safety and Wellbeing in Cambridge University Press and Assessment. As you know, I have been working as health safety professional for many years now, for over 20 years. Uh, my career started mainly in industry, so chemical engineering, safety, and it has shifted towards more the people side of health and safety, so the behaviour of health and safety, building a culture where health and safety is, uh, is, is spoken about. So um, I'm very excited to be talking about something that I think impacts behaviour a lot, which is how we approach failure, how we see failure, and uh, not just as an individual level, but uh, as an organisation. So looking forward to talk about it. Me too. Uh, and I think you're right, it's, it's a really big uh, topic and often I think really associated with negativity and it's certainly something that will come up in coaching conversations. So um, where do we start? You know, um, unpack it um, for me. I think I think you started uh, really well. I mean, failure is definitely uh, synonym of, 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 of something so negative. Uh, when when we fail, we feel like we 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 didn't succeed. But I think more importantly is linked to blame, and I think that 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 for me is where where everything kind of like starts to spiral out of control. Um, I, I want to start with maybe a couple of or three three quotes that I, when when I've been doing my research about failure, it, it, it got my attention. So uh, the only man who never makes a mistake is the man who never does anything by Theodore Roosevelt and um, that's a, that, that for me is is is, is a synonym of if we, we leave we we try new things and we have to be ready to make mistakes and obviously make mistakes is synonym of failing so that's that that really struck core um, another one a little bit more practical I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career I've lost almost 300 games 26 times I've been trusted to take the game winning shot and I missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And what and that is how I or why I succeed. And that was Michael Jordan. Yeah. So somebody who obviously we see as a as a as someone who, who, who wins and succeeds and is, is very famous and, and look it took many many failures in in, in his career to to, to, to succeed. And the third one is, I, I'm sure you have heard about this one. I've, I've seen it quite a lot of time. I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. And that was Thomas A. Edison. So I think that puts into context where, where we are with failure. I think uh, the people who are resilient and understand how to succeed, accept and, and understand failure. Uh, I think that the problem I have is, or we have in the world is that we have grown up in a very competitive, very um, a life where, where where failing is not accepted anymore. Um, I know when you were a child, for example, you were tested many times in your exams and your parents and, and probably failing wasn't an option. And, and failing 
become a blame. You didn't put enough work. You didn't study. You spent too much, you know, in your game. So the child grow up really seeing failure as something that is bad. I'm blame. If I fail, I have to, uh, you know, it's very, 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 I suppose, ingrained in our in our culture. So how do we move towards a, a place where we are, um, I would say, Blame is not the, the, the way we see failure, something that uh, probably is more uh, uh, something from where we grow from. Mm. So that's that's where I, I think we should be, um, you know, talking about failure today. So it's much more about kind of an educational perspective, isn't it, really? Mm. Because in order to learn, we, we're inevitably going to make mistakes because we don't we're not born suddenly knowing about rocket science or or something like that so failure seems to be part of the the um the learning process i guess where it comes into play with sort of negativity is going on to the point you're making about exams i think particularly where, where, where we work together it is um a very high achieving environment we have a lot of high achievers um and so failure is often hard for people to to deal with mm. um, and particularly saying about the exam sort of side of things by the time you come to an exam there's an expectation that you're going to have a certain level um, and knowledge and then if you with some parents if you don't get your a's then it's a failure right so i i guess there's something about when are we ready and when um, is failure acceptable or not acceptable? Because I'd imagine if you're a brain surgeon, yeah, I, failure isn't an option, right? Yeah, so definitely. I think timing. failure, when, when we talk about failure, it's not about accepting failure as a, oh, it's going to happen. I mean, I, I generally believe that it's more about the fear to fail uh, or the fear of not succeed more than accepting failure. So I think um, what I would like today is to talk more about that link between uh, how we approach failure, how we talk about failure and the fear, and how we um, will we put ourselves, our well-being in danger, mm. so we stop failing. I, I, but I totally agree. I mean, the the the, the more the you know, so in some circumstances, failing is it shouldn't be accepted. I mean, will you jump? from a plane if you think the parachute will fail? Obviously not. Uh, but the question is, uh, what have you put in place and how, what, because it's so important not to fail, what controls have you put in place to make sure that that failure doesn't happen? So, so as an organization, you need to understand when failure can't happen and when failure is allowed. So, when we talk about failure, uh, then we need to make sure that the organization understand where they can fail. So we need to make sure that um, when it is critical that an organization doesn't fail, we put all the controls in place that to to be able to 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 succeed. So there are many many measures of you know of, of succeed. You have uh, efficiency, safety, for example, is one that you probably you don't compromise. Because if your organization wants to be su successful, you can't suddenly compromise on efficiency. So, but then you have uh, another side of where where failure may be allowed when it's about innovation. 
So when it's in a control environment, when you want to take the risk. Uh, but the main thing for me is how do you approach failing in from the onset? I mean, you don't go into a project thinking you're going to fail. I mean, you know, you know, you think you're going to succeed. You you get married thinking you're going to succeed. You're not thinking, oh, I'm going to get divorced in a couple of years. Uh, but I suppose the more ambiguous and the more risky and the more uh, obviously there are more risks to fail. So I think we just need to think about this, these, mm -hmm. um, these moments and as an organization really understand where do I need to put the effort to stop failings and how do I accept failings? I think my concern is people are, like I said at the beginning, fear to fail, then they put themselves to, to the point of burnout. Mm. And this house, house an organization can create a culture where people put boundaries. So they, 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 they are succeeding or they're failing, but in a safe environment. So how, how would one go about doing that? Because I think you're absolutely right. Um, certainly people I, I coach, often they have uh, a fear, a real fear of failing of um, upon how that would, how they're going to look mm -hmm. as an individual and therefore people aren't going to trust them in the future, that sort of thing. And, and that can have a really bad negative uh, impact upon people's well-being um, in terms of the way they see themselves and long term in terms of energy and ability to do their job. So how do you tackle things from a, a, a mindset point of view and putting those safety measures in place like you're referring to? I mean, personally, the, the, any individual can work in, in their approach to failure. So first of all, uh, work on your own resilience. Uh, definitely as an individual, we can, resilient people <clears throat> are those that accept failing and, and really bounce back very quickly. They just literally are very positive. I do see uh, a resilient person very positive. They just literally know that if something goes wrong, they just accept it, lesson, le le lessons learned, and they just carry on, bounce back. So really working on, on that mindset of how they approach. Uh, I think as an individual, work on your passion as well. I think sometimes uh, is the passion to work, the passion to to what you do. You love so much what you do that you will you will not accept failure. So uh, in our case, uh, as you know, in Cambridge University Prison Assessment, the learners, the commitment towards the learners sometimes overstretched. So we're so passionate. It's documented. People who are on service of others, uh, doctors, nurses, they they will put their well-being uh, will 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 be not a priority. Uh, you know, delivering and not failing will be mm. above and beyond. The problem is when you are on burnout, then you end up not be able to be productive or delivering anyway. So mm. you're gonna fail anyway if you put. So that's that's how you you need to see it. So personally, I I think definitely you can work a lot, but I think in these scenarios. It's not about the person's, <clears throat> it's not a person's problem, it's the, it's the culture of the organization. Yeah. So I yeah. think if a leader or, or the organization looks at failure as a blame, we talk a bit about that blame. So all the failure is, um, is blame worthy. 
and, and no no failure is ever accepted, then then there there would be there would be a, a, a culture where where people would be very afraid of failing and 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 again that fear. Uh, the Harvard Business Review, they did a few um, surveys and they asked leaders uh, how many of those failures in their organization they think are uh, blamesworthy. So there actually was somebody to blame for a mistake. Maybe somebody didn't follow the process, you know, so mm -hmm. something that the failing could be specifically linked to someone's not following a process or not doing something or or um you can you can find that blame and they they mentioned that maybe five percent of the failures and then the, the second question was how many how all of your faults um you treat them as blames and they say 90 percent mm -hmm. so the problem is we put all the all the failures into the same bucket of somebody's to blame we can't afford to fail Mm -hmm. and, and and we should be more about, OK, which one genuinely are someone was to blame and we need to reduce. And we're talking about safety, you know, efficiency, that type of failures. Then we say, well, we, we really can't afford to 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 fail here. But all the other failures, probably 90 percent of your failings are where you can grow, where you can really gain from those failings. And I think if you start really instigating a conversation around that, people will feel safer because the mm -hmm. people will be able to to speak about failing. So we we, we obviously in behavioral uh, programs, you talk about creating that psychologically safe environment uh, where where we can speak up. Now, speaking of failure, I think is very important. And I do believe if we worry less about failing, if we fear less about failing, then we will be more productive. So the, 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 the likelihood of failing is going to be less because we're, we're going to be focusing on on delivering and we, we're going to be improving all the time. So so I think that is there is um, a space for both the individual to work in their mindset and their approach um, you know, looking at their own motivation for 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 succeed. And but there is also that leader that that encourage boundaries. So work life balance. If you have a team that is overstretching and put their well-being at risk just because we succeed mm -hmm. or we need to succeed, is it is it is it worth the risk? That's that's my question. Is it worth the risk of sacrificing your people mm. so you you succeed? And, so this, and that's a risky strategy. So it's definitely something there about risk management and also us not being a lone entity so even if it's in about our own personal management recognizing that what's around us affects us those that we surround us with ourselves with or uh, things that have influenced our mindset have an impact so it makes me think of in most recent times there's been a lot more openness now about people uh sharing about mental health i know it's still a taboo in many places but it, it's certainly something that is discussed a lot more um and uh, personally i think that's a positive thing before when or when people uh, are fearful of admitting that or or, or not discussing it it, it creates a, a sense of being alone. So, but in order to share, we need to ensure that we're able to share with people we can trust and that we foster that sort of culture 
um, of non-judgmentalism or of not rebuking people or seeing it as a failure. So I think there's something about uh, recognising that we all fail or, or rather we're not all perfect is probably the, the, the better way to describe it. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we all have, uh, I, I don't like to say weaknesses, I like to say vulnerabilities. We, we're all vulnerable, mm. we're all human beings. Uh, and, and we're not just uh, in, a, in a continuous line. We, we have uh, peaks, we have lows, we have uh, moments where we're really, you know, in a good mindset, very, very productive. But if we're going through a, a bad stretch or a bad, you know, illness or, 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 or a bereavement, maybe our performance will drop. And, and that's, I, I think, as a, as a manager, as a people manager, uh, as a leader, it's about identifying those those as part of the, the plan of the program. Mm. So again, for me, if you have when failure is life and death, I mean, will you will you if you're the one responsible to check in the parachute, will you come to your shift hangover and type or hang on? My job is life and death. I'm going to make sure I, I am well. I am on top of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have enough resources. I'm not rushing my job because the outcome of my job is life and death. So mm. that's that's where the organizations really need to put the resources. But if it's about innovation, if it's about whether we're allowed to fail. But we, the, the main thing is in the in the journey to succeed, we shouldn't put the well-being of our people at risk. Because I, I think that's a very risky strategy, especially if failing is life and death. Mm-hmm. Or if failing is, uh, when, when we're talking obviously safety is, 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 is quite obvious, but if it's reputational damage, if we fail, uh, we're going we're gonna to damage our reputation or we're going to have, you know, a, a, a loss of revenue that is going to maybe put our business at, at risk of survival. Then I think not looking at the well-being of people on that journey is a very risky strategy mm-hmm. because people who are tired, people who are exhausted, they will make mistakes. They will, obviously, the productivity peak is going to drop. So instead of being able to deliver 100% than they expect, it might be at, you know, 30 or 40%. So I think it's about understanding where failing is acceptable. Mm. And again, you talk about risk management and and and, and that, but yeah, and, and def- again, going back to that, are we open to accept? that if we fail is something that happens because uh, like like that quote at the beginning, we, we have to make mistakes if no, we're not, we're not, we're not succeeding. The other thing is, are, are we stretching ourselves as organization? I mean, if we in a comfortable space, mm. we know the process, this is where we will never make mistakes, we will never fail, but maybe that is synonymous of we're not stretching ourselves to do better. So, so there is a, a, a I suppose a business case to accept failure, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to progress, to be innovative. We have to accept that we we will fail, but we have to do it in a safe environment and in a in a in a way where we can learn from it and we can. So there's something there, isn't there? A failure being part of that growth. Um, and what I'd be interested to get your thoughts on is how you manage, um, let's see, you, how one manages um, 
changing or moving from that mindset of such a fear of failure um a lot of people i coach not simply just in our organization but externally and and, and others as well um are real driven perfectionists and they want it the best and often as i said very high achievers and they're used to doing it such in such a way um but then any deviation of that is really really hard to deal with mm -hmm. how do you go about changing a mindset that would enable you to at least be to a certain level okay with failure and embracing it from the perspective of growth which is i think what mm -hmm. you're indicating i think the first thing to do is accept that failure will make you feel bad I think I think you know if you fail you're not gonna suddenly be be ecstatic uh, and be happy. So I think acknowledge acknowledging those emotions, saying I will be very angry if I fail, and this is how I'm gonna. So enter into a space of acceptance first. Uh, learn your coping mechanisms so you don't lose um, lose the perspective, I suppose, of, of what happened. Because it's very easy to catastrophize a failure. Mm -hmm. So instead of just uh, understanding that maybe it was only a, 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 a smaller, more acceptable failure, but if we get angry, we just lose control over that failure. We might catastrophize, we might not see uh, the positive things, so maybe there were some small wins. So I think the first thing is accept and we will feel bad. You know, there will be some bad emotions coming from failing, especially when, like you say, high performance, high committed. Um, the other one is is maybe reframe failure. So to feedback. So reframe. Uh, we didn't fail. We just didn't. Uh, we didn't achieve the the, mm -hmm. the the standards that we were expecting. So it, it's not necessarily we fail. Again, the going to that catastrophizing. So reframe failure as feedback. So you start looking at that lessons learned. See the positive, like I, I did say, that resilient person normally is very positive. Okay, mm -hmm. we didn't achieve this time, but look, look how much we learn in the process. Um, maybe during the process, some some vulnerabilities, some weaknesses in the in the in the process were highlighted. Maybe um, so. The the good thing if is that we do it again, we're gonna do it better, and we're gonna get out the other side stronger and and learning, and, and we're gonna do it better. I mean, there is um. Uh, Elon Musk just blowing up chips now, you know, he, he literally invests millions and he knows that mm. one successful um, trip to, to Mars is going to take maybe three or four very or, or even more unsuccessful. So it's about celebrating that um, that small wins, yeah. you know, don't, not, not, not everything fails. So, so really look back and so acknowledge your feelings and your emotions, then you're going to feel bad. Reframe it so it is a more positive and celebrate those small wins. And the other thing is, is um, and, and I think that the whole delivery is changing to doing more. If, if failing is going to be really bad, but don't try to deliver everything in one go. Try to iterate, you know, the agile approach mm -hmm. to delivery. So you you can then change direction. So the failure is, is is more manageable. So you 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 fail little, then you can change direction. Um, so I think that the the best thing you can do as a high achiever is is don't get disappointed. Don't 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 think this is the end of the world. And and I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, however, we have to remember not all failures are good. We have to manage the bad failures. 
the ones that are going to destroy us, really, they, they're going to the end of the organization or the end of a life. Those, mm. those need high, high risk management. But the other ones, and I feel that they're 90% that, that, that are burning us out. They're the ones that we can't accept. They're yeah. the ones that we can't. I mean, how many times have you seen an organization's end of year report reporting failures? You never. You always see the end of year of an organization. How many, you know, we, we did so great. We did so, it was a brilliant year. You never see. Oh, by the way, we never got it right here and here and here. But this is mm -hmm. this is what we learned from it. And I would love a, 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 a end of year report saying we never got it 100% right here. I think that will shift the organization culture on on accepting a failure, and it will increase risk taking and being more innovative, you know, I think it will it will be so good for any organization who's bold enough to say we don't always get it right 100% all the time. So that that leads me on as one of the things you said uh, a couple of times now is about the importance of resilience. And I'd imagine that's not only in terms of individual, but in terms of an organization as well. How would you go about establishing resilience what does that look like what is the process of that i think this is when we need to make sure that it, it, it is a cultural level this is not uh, a, a few webinars and, and we put a few yoga uh, so people become resilient so if, if you want to be resilient just make sure you practice yoga and you you practice mindfulness i think being resilient it, it, it generally needs to be a cultural level uh, and it, it needs to be um, that that direction that the leader do accept that things not always going to be 100%. Uh, but, but it's very clear when when is when is when a, when 100% is needed, then it's a, it's a spell out. But then enough resources are put in it to deliver it. Because if it's that important, then mm. we need to really have enough resources to deliver it. If it's not that important that we are 100%, then it is okay to fail. And I think, and I think, to become really resilient, we need to do the homework first. We need to, we need to really look where we're failing, where is more likely we're going to fail, and what will be the impact of it. So, risk, a very strong risk, business continuity, risk management, uh, all that. Um, I think it needs to be invested. But for me, organizational resilience come at culture level. It, it's not just a few initiatives and a few courses that we do here. Or, or, or the policy is not enough to say we are resilient is prove it prove it in the in the day to day in in, in the email that the team received when the project didn't succeed what, what did that email read oh it was very disappointing to see that we didn't get 100 percent certificates going out or we noticed that we didn't get what happened let's let's but i'm sure next year we or look, we have been improving in the last five years. Mm -hmm. We started with 80% failure. Now we're only on 5% failure. Well done, team. So I think to become a real resilient organization, you have to really show it not in your words and how you act and, and then become embedded in your culture. So showing it in the terms of the way that you accept or celebrate failure, as long as it's mm -hmm. not end of the world kind of failure. Yeah. Yeah. And how would I, I go about that as an individual? So let's say um, 
someone's been listening to this podcast hopefully been listening to this hopefully. podcast and uh they've acknowledged what you're saying say do you know what you're absolutely right maria i could see i'm i'm too much of a perfectionist or I'm, i've been too harsh on myself i need to accept failure more but i'm really struggling about this um you talk about resilience what do I do? How do I become resilient? I'm, I'm on my own. This isn't in a work context. It's about me and my everyday life. Maria, what will I do? What would you tell that person? Oh, uh, that's a difficult one because I'm not an expert. This is just a, a, a subject that interests me. I would say the first thing is 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 do a bit of reflection, really. What, what, mm. First of all, what is the impact of, on your life of, of being the way you are? I think a bit of um kind of like self-coaching could, could mm. go a, a long way uh, ask the questions okay what is what is what is important to me is it more important that i deliver this 100 percent and but what about work-life balance what did what what do, what am i sacrificing to 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 stop failure uh, so i, I suppose self-coaching would be the, the the first approach you know do, do ask yourself those important questions what is important to me? Why I'm why I'm the way I am? Why why I'm working the the the, the way? What do I gain from mm. being from 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 reaching 100% all the time? Um, so I think that the the first approach would be the self reflection, but I don't think this is something that people can do on their own. I think uh, I think talking to others. Uh, I I would I would be very surprised if. Uh, it, they they start exploring with other colleagues um, that maybe are in the same project. Um, what is um, what is impacting them as well? And I think reaching to others will be important. And, and it's, it's not something that is just going to click. It's not a switch. You know, they say that takes a lot of tries before habits change. And the other one is to start to put boundaries boundaries mm. around. Uh, around what and how you work. I think is like I said before, passion, commitment, responsibility. Um, I was one of those. I've, I, I love my job a lot. And I'm, I, I, if I could work 24 hours, I would work. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so committed to it. But I, I have been in, in, in burnout base. Mm. So I deliver 100%. And I know that. So I am now more conscious about my limitations, my vulnerabilities. I learned from that experience. So I put more boundaries around. But I think you can work a lot and you can be very productive if you change your mindset to it. So if you feel less fear, less worry. So I, I think that's the biggest change personally I've done is that I worry less if mm -hmm. I don't deliver. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm delivering, but I'm aware that I can't deliver everything. It's just too much. So my 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 approach to it is I will do my best and I will prioritize and I will change my priorities and I will work very long hours. Uh, but I don't feel I'm burning out because my worry and my fear to or my concerns are very, very low. So it's, it's a weird mindset where I feel like my to do list is huge that probably I'm 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 failing and I'm probably I'm I'm not delivering to the expectations of everybody. But it's good for me. Mm -hmm. I, I'm 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 appreciating what I'm doing and I'm saying this is this is as much as you're gonna get. 
so my fear, my worriness, and that has helped me balance a little bit. So you can do a lot of hours and you can put a lot of work, but you need to balance it with um, mm. with your mindset, I think. And I guess that's the resilience factor, isn't it? It's looking after yourself, being kind to yourself. And I think, too, there's something there about no person is an island. You're not on your own and there's only to a certain extent you can do everything alone. Um, I myself has experienced burnout and um, one of the things I, I experienced from that is being out of control and actually needing the help of other people. So I think that's really, really important. So of course, that's what affects culture, having culture around you, whether it's in an organisation or indeed in the outside of work context is looking who you surround yourself with. Are there healthy relationships? Are there people that are actually feeding into you or are they uh, endorsing or um, amplifying or concreting all the negative things you're thinking about because that's not going to help you that's not going to build resilience that's just going to drag you down all the more yeah. i think any project or any any delivery at organization level should really ask can we deliver without mm. putting you know our people at risk and, mm. and and that's the problem we we want to always get better we want this great organization we want to uh, impact more we want more revenue we want more efficiency but we never really stopped and said are we sacrificing the well-being of our people to deliver this great organization and and i think that that's where we need to really get back and say hang on this is not acceptable um, if we end up in a situation where a project is really late it's going to be very expensive the first solution would be let's do it at all cost you know let's let's just go with it uh okay i'm so sorry you're gonna have to cancel your holidays and you're gonna have to work overtime and you nobody really stops and say okay what happened if we don't deliver what happened mm -hmm. if we just say sorry we're gonna be three months late or we're gonna say nobody really stops that because the desire to succeed is always always above and beyond that hang on we can't. Why are we, why, why, why you going to stop going on your holiday to deliver this? Why why this is more important than your well-being? Mm. And and I think that's that's and then the people are so like you say, they're, they're all very passionate, very committed or fear to say, hang on, my well-being is more important. You're on your own. We protect our colleagues. So we say, well, I can't leave because then that means my colleagues are going to be delivering it while I'm on holiday. So so it, it's just a spiral out of control, spiral out of control. So I think any project needs to say, what if? What does this, what is the worst that can happen if we don't deliver? Hmm. Now, if it's life and death, then the solution is no, and your well-being is, okay, what, what, what other support we need to make sure that we deliver it without you burning out? Yeah, yeah. What what is it? It might be that I need you for the next two weeks, but hey, you're gonna have two weeks off after, or you know, you you, you know, it, there has to be a conversation around there. Thank you, Maria. So one of the things that does actually come to mind as well is, as you know, I'm involved um, with a mentoring charity uh, that works with people of colour, and I think both you and yourself have been involved in the DIB space at work. And often we hear things about pressure that people feel with that about representation. You know, often I've had friends say to me that 
from day one being told you're going to have to work doubly as hard because of your skin colour, because people are going to make judgments of you. That creates a huge sense of pressure because then it's, well, if I fail, I'm representing a whole group of people. Any thoughts about that? It's certainly from your experience from needing IB perspective. I know uh, you're not from the UK originally, and I know we've discussed about that before, and there's some issues perhaps there you could touch on, but unpack for me what your thoughts are. Yeah, I think this is, um, this is uh, like you said, double important to talk about when failing is not an option because then your characteristic is going to be uh, their reason why you fail, you know. Oh, uh, so it, it brings to my mind when I was uh, reading the, the latest book of Michelle Obama, she, she has an extract on her book when she told the story about, I, I can't remember the name of the, the, but it was one of her friends who was studying law in Harvard and it was you know, in the 60s, it was very, very uh, early time on, on the, the, the the black history um, and, and, and working for their rights. And this individual uh, started getting involved in protests uh, towards rights for black people. But that means then she abandoned her studies. And, and again, she, she started to say, well, they're now saying I'm giving them now the reason that I'm failing because I'm black. Not because I didn't have the time to study because I was involved in the protest. So it mm. become like a reason why I can't fail. I just can't fail because then they're going to find the reason, you know, for for the excuse why black people shouldn't be studying or black. So again, in the organization is very important and EDIB and all the, the programs of inclusion looks at how we make sure that when we approach failure, we don't we don't make these uh, a reason for for people who are vulnerable or a minority to be the reason why they're not succeeding. Mm -hmm. So again, we, failure is you know is it, an organizational failure. It's not an individual failure. Going going back to that is not a blame. It, the, failing is not about finding blame. It's finding lessons learned at organizational level. What can we do better instead of turning into an individual blame? Somebody somebody didn't do enough work or somebody didn't. So I think it's very important that we look at the ADIB aspect of failure because um, there are definitely still work to do where unfortunately for some groups failing is still not an option because they still fighting for their rights. Mm -hmm. So as an organization we definitely can make a, a more a level ground too. And I think it's just the approach to failing, the approach that is 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 praiseworthy, not blameworthy. Um, that's, that's. Yeah, I think it's something really powerful that I mean, you know, I'm, I'm mindful of a, being a white heterosexual male that uh, many of the, the issues concern across a whole group of people won't be my own lived ex personal lived experience. Um, but then that's why it's so important to be mindful of things like unconscious bias um, and and being in con being consciously inclusive. Um, so that that doesn't play or plays a minimum um, result in how we treat people in terms of what is deemed to be failure or not. Because if you're operating from a space of prejudice, um, then that's going to affect how you see an individual's failure in compared to someone else's. Well, it's, it's a learning experience. So how we view people, I think, is absolutely 
bang on the money. So is is that anything you've had personal experience from as a, as a from your background and as a woman? Uh, I think all, all uh, in health and safety, definitely uh, there was uh, I've been doing health and safety for 20 years now uh, and I started my career in manufacturing and construction. So I was very aware of the perception of a woman doing a health and safety inspection in a construction site. So again, failure, it was like if I do a bad job, then I'm, 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 I'm I suppose, amplifying the stereotypic yeah. that women can't do the job of, um, you know, being able to just put their hard boots. Uh, when, when I started health and safety, there wasn't uh, personal protective equipment for women. We, we, we have, it was very difficult to find um, boots for construction in a size five. It was, it was all, uh, very different 20 years ago uh, and, and women in health and safety has has worked towards that equal rights that we, we can go into a construction sites and uh, I I remember being in construction sites where there were not uh, toilets for women because there were no women so it was uh, so so yeah I think the the whole I need to do a good job because if not the, the stereotypic of women can't hack the the construction site it was it, it was there at the beginning of my career, but I'm pleased to say things definitely have changed a lot. You know, the 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 the, the women definitely have a more fairer uh, play. The Colombian and the accent and all that definitely sometimes it, it creeps up, but I think we definitely have become a better world, more mm. inclusive, more better. Still, work needs to be done, uh, and unfortunately, some people still have the pressure of. Uh, the, the the failure is not an option for them, uh, and and I think as an organisation, we can work, like you say, with a, a good EDIB program, being a genuine inclusive organisation, uh, where um, everybody is treated equally. You know, failing is not linked to the individual. Is mm -hmm. so that yeah, it's um, it's important that we speak about all this. It is very important. And look, thank you for um, all the work that you do. You do a great job and all the different pies you've got fingers in. And um, thank you for bringing your insight today. You may not be an expert, as you said, I'm but you certainly provide some some really good insights. So I thank you for, for contributing today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mark.